Welcome to A Slice of SEL, a podcast for educators about social-emotional learning. Thanks for tuning in to A Slice of SEL. Welcome. We're the SEL Services team at the St. Croix River Education District. I'm Nick. I'm Rye. And I'm Courtney. So just to recap, last week we were covering a skill set that is foundational to so much of what we do in schools, active, intentional, empathetic listening, whatever you want to call it. And if we want to be able to do things like talk to students about tough topics, show up and be supportive adults in students' lives, have one-on-one corrective conversations with kiddos that go well and more, we need those well-developed listening skills. And this week, we're going to shift to something different. We're going to talk about and give many examples of integrated SEL instruction. And you may be wondering, what the heck is integrated SEL instruction? And it's how we weave social emotional learning into academic instruction and make it part of the whole school day. Don't freak out. Chances are you're probably already doing quite a bit of this. Before we get into that, let's talk about what's filling our buckets this week. I can go first. Uh, tomorrow, we are celebrating my mom's 60th birthday. Um, my parents are officially snowbirds this year for the first time ever. And my mom's birthday isn't until March, um, but she'll be gone over that. And so we are surprising her at Trollhagen. So she had a date to ski tomorrow. And so I invited all of her friends and we're all gonna meet her on the main plaza at Trollhagen and surprise her. So I'm excited. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I'll go next. This is a let's fill in my bucket, but it'll take me a sec to get there. Um, We, Christine and I were hot messes in front of our vet earlier this week. We took our two cats in for an appointment and one of our cats got diagnosed with diabetes. And during that appointment, uh, Christina's car battery happened to die in the parking lot of the vet. So we were, you know, going in and out of the vet's office, putting on our masks, learning how to inject insulin, and also um, trying to get the car going. And happily, our auto shop is very close to our vet. And the auto shop folks just came over, walked over, and helped us charge the car. And so kind, and they didn't have to do that. And it really filled my bucket. It's just nice when like local businesses are part of your life, and you just see people being really nice to each other. I can go next. Um, I was having a tough time coming up with a bucket filler, full disclosure, this week. Sometimes it's tough and that's okay. Um, I am happy it's Friday and I'm also happy that I was able to clean my house in depth this week. And just another example of self-care not always being like spa days and pampering yourself. So just happy that I could, you know, take care of my environment made me feel a lot better. Yeah, that makes a huge difference for me as well when you look around and Things aren't organized the way you want them to. It's just, right. it's like this buzz of stress in the background. Mm-hmm. Happy for you, Courtney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks. So to shift to our main topic, integrated SEL instruction, what is it? Well, we've talked before about explicit SEL instruction and explicit SEL instruction is when we're using an SEL curriculum. It's standalone SEL lessons with a scope and sequence, the whole nine yards. So, you know, you walk into my classroom during, say, the 30 minutes that we've got scheduled for SEL instruction, and it's really immediately obvious that I'm teaching an SEL lesson. Right. So as Nick said, that's explicit. When we're talking integrated SEL instruction, 
that's where we're weaving that social emotional learning into other content areas that we're teaching throughout the day. So it's not a competing practice. It's not like, oh, I've got SEL curriculum going. I don't have to mess with integrating this stuff, but it is all important. But you might be thinking, eesh, that's a lot of work. But good news is you're already doing a lot of this integration. Right. So many teachers do a lot of this informally. And the simple next step is often just collaborating. So getting organized across departments or grade level teams to promote horizontal alignment. And in some cases, writing some of these things down to help us be more intentional about it and consistent with it. And in some cases, not all the examples that we're going to read, but in some cases, this might look like throwing an SEL learning target onto an academic lesson plan and then identifying within that lesson plan the activity that you're going to do to weave that in. And some of the examples we're going to read, like I said, that's going to lock in and you're going to see that connection. So we're going to go through a bunch of examples of what this can look like. And the good news for us is that we didn't have to come up with these. Um, Minnesota has state SEL standards. And fortunately, our standards include a bunch of examples of activities that schools can use to weave these standards into our academics. Yes, grateful for that. Uh, remember that our state SEL standards fall into five areas. So number one, self-awareness. Number two, self-management. Number three, social awareness number four, relationship skills, and number five, responsible decision-making. And we're only going to get through self-awareness today. So stay tuned because over the next four episodes, we're going to cover the rest. So we're going to run through these examples by grade band, starting with K through three. So if you don't teach K through three, we would just suggest that you look at the time codes in your podcast app and skip ahead. Just a little tip. All right, so let's get rolling. So for K through three, we're going to read a benchmark and then an example of an activity and then just kind of chat about it. So one benchmark for self-awareness for K through three is identify family, peer, school, community, cultural, and linguistic strengths. And one activity for how we can weave this in is students completing an art project to celebrate things they love about their family or their community. And I love art class. I adored it every grade I had it growing up. Um, and I'm extremely partial to drawing and painting. So those are the first things that I think of when I read this activity. Um, but I'm sure there are also some other creative things you could do besides drawing and painting to help kids, again, kind of express the strengths that they see in their family or their community. The next one is identify positive and negative emotions. So an activity for this one would be a school ride reading of how full is your bucket. Now that might sound familiar, um, but it's just a good example of ways that students and their peers can do positive things that will fill their, their buckets. Yeah, and just a shout out to Lori Schmidt. Um, she's a librarian at East Central Elementary School, very passionate about SEL. And she's talked to me several times before about SEL storybooks. And I know they have a cart and a resource library for teachers to use SEL storybooks. Um, and she taught me the phrase mentor text, which I'd never heard before, but that's where you use a text for different purposes. And it's like a model that students can use for good writing skills. You know, you, you read a text more than once and it's a good model for them when they're writing stuff, but it also is, you know, reading that text and looking at it through the lens of SCL. Another activity might be just to listen deeply to what students say and reflect on what you heard about their feelings. So we talked about that um, in the last podcast, but an example of this would be like, it sounds like you're feeling very frustrated right now, or it sounds like you're feeling very happy right now. Just by reflecting and connecting these feelings, um, we can also help 
develop some of their social emotional vocabulary by connecting those feelings with the way that they are feeling. <laughs> yeah, nice connection to the last podcast episode, Rai. <laughs> yeah, go, um, Rai. reflecting feelings. Another benchmark, identify emotions related to different situations or events. So one activity for this is you could throughout the day at scheduled times, like a routine, you ask students to stop and identify their emotion and asking them then, why do you think you feel the way that you do right now? And this is really similar to what Rai, you just said, but it's more proactive. And like I said, kind of scheduled and routine versus kind of noticing and responding. And one example of how you could do this, we're huge fans of the Yale University's mood meter visual. We've talked about it on the podcast before. I'll link it into the show notes again. Um, what I love is some schools have really big mood meter posters or some other kind of visual on their wall so that during these routines, students can just walk up, like say as they're entering class and just point to where they're feeling. So it's very visual, um, students can get up and move and it's a nice routine to have. Another uh, activity for this is when you're discussing stories, have students identify a time when they've had the same feelings as a character. And you could do this a couple of different ways. Like you could do discussion in small groups, have them draw a picture, or just write some simple sentences in their journals, but making that connection like, hey, this is what the character's feeling and this is what I'm feeling. The last benchmark we'll talk about for K through three is describe what it feels like to feel safe and respected. Um, one activity for this is just to work with students to create positively stated and simple rules for the classroom. One example is we listen respectfully when others are speaking. So we've talked about this before, but having students come up with some of those classroom norms and rules and expectations can allow for them to take ownership and help feel more in control. Yeah, and there's different ways to do this. And we've covered this before, so I'll just kind of skim it. You know, like in responsive classroom, it's very similar to what, Rai, you just described kind of like uh, from the ground up grassroots, we just come up with our rules and expectations together. And you could call it like contracting or something else as a class. In schools with PBIS, this sometimes looks a little bit different. Like say that as a school, you've got like safe, respectful, responsible, and those are kind of like your buckets for your expectations. And in the hallway, we've got, hey, this is what safe looks like, respectful, responsible. And then when we step into the classroom, some teachers will take those three, like say that it's safe, respectful, responsible, and they'll ask like, well, what, what could safety look like here with us? So it's just kind of a frame, but you're still eliciting it from the students, the specifics. Um, and some people, if say that we've got like classroom rules established across all classrooms, so we all already have our classroom rules set up. One thing schools have done is before they review those with kids, they'll say, okay, safe, what do you think that should look like here? And they elicit that student input, like what does safety mean to us? What should it look like in our classroom? And then they will put up the pre-established expectations for safety and they'll just make those connections between what the students just said and what was already established. So it just depends. There's pros and cons to each of those things I talked about, but getting that student voice involved is a great activity. Okay, so we are shifting to grade band four through five. So the first benchmark we're gonna chat about is develop more complex vocabulary to communicate their emotions and feelings. So one activity for this is providing vocabulary words, some examples like thrilled, elated, mournful, rejected, disappointed, or irate, and having students practice those words in their writing. And write, you know, like 
the reason why the benchmark says more complex is because when we are in lower grades like K through three, we use simpler words like happy, sad. And when we get to four through five, we start to get a little bit more sophisticated with those. And this is just, you know, apart from just helping students build their emotional vocabulary and make them more self-aware from an SEL perspective, we know this just makes them better writers, right? I mean, through high school and college, I would see a lot of resources still trying to get people to get away from using phrases like very happy or very sad in their writing. I'm sure you guys have seen those too, because that's what we tend to fall back on if we don't have a better, more sophisticated emotional vocabulary. The next one is recognize the connection between their thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. An activity for this is um, to read an appropriate book for recognizing emotions and behaviors and discuss how it impacts them. So one of the very first things I think of in this um, for an activity of this is Julia Cook. Um, she has several books just regarding um, feelings and emotions. And some examples of my favorites are Soda Pop Head, which deals with anger, and Wilma Jean, The Worry Machine. <laughs> um, these are meant for the grade band K through six, so it's still relevant here uh, in in this grade band, but part of her stories um, just really go through what that character feels when they're feeling anger and worry. So um, an example from one of her stories is my tongue gets salty, my throat gets tight, I grit my teeth because nothing feels right, stomach feels like a knot, knees lock up, face gets hot. So that's from Wilma Jean, but um, when students are feeling that worry, uh, they can connect um, all of those feelings that they're feeling uh, in terms of self-awareness. And then aside from Julia Cook, as part of discussing stories, have students identify a time that they may have had some thoughts or feelings as a character and ask them to either discuss this in small groups, draw a picture, or write in their journals just to describe how those situations cause them to think and feel the way that they do. I know I have a fifth grader at home and I've caught her reading books like um, the I Survived series or the Diary of a Wimpy Kid or Hatchet, um, where you can talk about the character conflicts and have them make connections um, like in the activity described. Yeah, and before we move on, shout out to uh, Lori Schmidt. Um, she's a librarian at East Central Elementary, and she's talked to me a few times before about SEL storybooks and how passionate she is about those. And we've got an index of storybooks and chapter books on our SEL website, and I'll link those into the show notes. Another benchmark in the four through five grade band is describe personal strengths and assets they possess and make them successful members of their school and community. So students being able to do that, describe those strengths and assets. And one activity for this is you could have students complete a project to identify their personal interests or strengths. And there are different ways you could do this, like through a drawing, a picture, writing short answers on a worksheet. Um, yeah, it could be a writing prompt or an artistic prompt and it could fit an ELA or art class, for example. Another benchmark is to identify and explore opportunities to develop skills and talents. So an activity for this would be to routinely give students the opportunity to reflect on what they like to do and what they're good at. Um, for example, I can tell you really liked the math science project we just did. Why do you think you liked this activity especially? I think this really gives them an opportunity to connect what they like to academics and really build on those strengths and help them enjoy some of those, those classes and enjoyment of school is part of what gets us through it, right? Right, and that's the sentence you just read is a really nice example of praise, but I love how it just prompts that student reflection and gets their gears turning. 
Another benchmark, the last one we'll chat about for grade band four through five is distinguished degrees of their own emotional intensity. And, you know, we can feel sad, but we can feel different intensities of sad, just as an example. And one way you could do this is referring to an emotion temperature chart or the Yale mood meter as a whole class. And you could do this just for example, before you take a quiz, before you go on a field trip, or even, you know, just as a routine, like after lunch or at the beginning of the day. And we're big fans of Yale University's mood meter if you listen to the podcast. Um, and one thing I love to see is some schools have a big mood meter poster at the front of classrooms. So students, when they're walking into the room or just come up from their desks and they can just point to what they're feeling on that big chart. We made it to the grade band six through eight. So our first one here is um, under the benchmark, recognize the importance of complex emotions, such as an indicator of a situation that needs attention. An activity here um, is just during testing or other high stress periods, lead the class discussion about the importance of self-care, such as taking breaks, pacing yourself, breathing deeply and exercising. Um, I feel like we've talked a little bit about self-care here, haven't we guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just as important for us to teach our, our students that they need it just as much as adults. Right, and uh, the Calming Strategies Toolbox on our SCL website is a collection of the things that you just mentioned as examples, Rai, and more. And a great feature of that, it has short videos, so I can just pull it up on a smart board, click that button, and start my short little video. Um, posters that very similarly help me as a teacher kind of lead a short brain break. So it is a thing that you could leverage to have short brain breaks or just during that discussion of like, hey, we're about to have a, a test. Some people get really stressed out before we have tests and like, these are some things that we can do. Um, it's really important to teach those stress management techniques and then you know keep bringing them up and modeling them when they're meaningful. So the next benchmark we're covering is the same one I just covered. So um, being able to look at complex emotions as a sign that you know, a problem needs attention, for example. And one activity for weaving this in is have students identify moments where characters in the literature that they're reading experience complex emotions. So you could discuss what these emotions are and why and use evidence from the text or inference. And the character might be having the emotions and what they could do to resolve them. So, right, we're at a point where with middle schoolers, we're, we're talking about complicated emotions where somebody might feel conflicted, someone might feel happy or joyful about certain parts of what's going on and regretful or disappointed about other aspects of it, for example, walking them through that. And we're big fans of Yale University's mood meter visual on the podcast and in general, we've talked about it before, but one way you could do this is present that mood meter visual in front of the students and we'll, we'll link that into the podcast notes, or you could give them a less organized just list of vocabulary emotion words and have students circle ones or just reference them during discussion or writing. And again, yeah, just walk them through pointing out the conflicting and multiple complicated emotional experiences that the characters are having. Next benchmark in the sixth through eighth grade band is assess emotional reactions in different contexts, such as face-to-face -face or through electronic communication. 
So an activity for this would be in pairs or small groups, ask students to share or to reflect and write in responses to journal prompts about how their emotions might be more or less strong in different situations with other people. So examples of that would be face-to-face -face interactions, phone conversations, text messages, or other electronic communication. I think with the students that we're working with having such quick access to phones and emailing being more common, especially right now in distance learning, um, just reflecting on how emotions vary depending on the type of conversation you're having with a person is super important to get them reflecting on how they feel and why they feel that way and how to help convey what they actually are feeling so people understand what they're saying. Right, just one example is, you know, like if we're having a asynchronous text conversation where you don't get an immediate reaction from someone and you're waiting for seconds or minutes or hours, like your emotional experience can be completely different. Right. And I know the other week when we were doing our recording, we had talked a little bit about like when we're writing emails, how many exclamation points are appropriate to convey exactly what we're feeling so that the person that's receiving that email knows like I'm in a really good mood, like this is coming from a good place. And I'm just like acknowledging that our students are going through those same challenges as well. Right. The last benchmark we're going to talk about for these six through eight middle school grade band is uh, self-reflect to recognize their strengths to meet a need or address a challenge. And an activity, an example of how you can weave this in is um, routinely providing authentic feedback and asking questions that help students reflect on their strengths and interests. And this could sound like, I can tell you're really enjoying this story. Can you tell me about what, what part of this is making you feel motivated? or I can tell you're really proud of how you did on this project. Can you tell me about it? What about it you're most proud of? And I love that those are examples of high quality, meaningful praise. Like you, the student is gonna feel seen, you notice something about them. And it also prompts them to just reflect and get the gears turning to think about their own strengths and their assets. Okay, we are shifting to the nine through 12 high school grade band for SEL standards and benchmarks. And the first benchmark we're gonna chat about is realize the level of control they have over their own lives and act accordingly. Isn't that, that's one I'm still working on personally. <laughs> um, before a new unit, this is an example of an activity to how to weave this in. So before a new unit in any content area, you could ask students to write a short essay or just a paragraph, take a minute or two about what they hope to get out of the time that they're gonna be spending in that classroom working on this topic. So it's like setting an intention and you, listener, may have attended a training session that you're not looking forward to. I know I've had that experience. And one thing you can do ahead of time is like set an intention. And that could be like, I'm going to help others who are here. Um, or I'm going to practice patience. <laughs> and having students do this before a lesson, we know that they're not immediately going to see every content, that every piece of content and every unit we cover as relevant and get excited about it on its own but we can prompt them to think about like, I'm gonna be here in the classroom, how can I make it relevant to me? And it could be like, I'm just gonna work on helping my friends who are in this classroom and try and be helpful. And, or I'm gonna work on practicing patience, something else, but getting them to think about their own connections to the material. And that is a big ingredient of intrinsic motivation. The next benchmark is to distinguish emotions one holds from how others expect them to feel. So an activity we could do here is in pairs, small groups or individually, ask students to reflect in journal prompts um, about how others may expect them to feel in certain situations and how they how that might be different from how they actually feel. And I 
think about students coming from different backgrounds and I think about the different experiences that they might have had and sometimes a joke that a friend makes or sometimes something a teacher says to a student just impacts different students in different ways and giving them the opportunity to reflect on on what that could look like for others that have gone through different experiences and how what they're saying might not be received as exactly what they think is is potentially really helpful yeah great example and the next benchmark we're going to chat about is describe how external events or internal thoughts can trigger multiple emotions. And an example of an activity in response to literature, ask students to think about what the author is thinking about or responding to and how it appears to be triggering multiple emotions in the author at the same time. So authors can be writing about what they're thinking. Authors can be writing about an event that happened in their lives. So our emotions can flow from, you know, those external events or from, hey, I thought about or remembered this thing that happened to me and that's triggering that emotion and triggering a bunch of different emotions. And that happens all the time in literature. Um, and we are big fans of Yale University's mood meter visual because it really takes those vocabulary words and arranges them in a meaningful way that helps students understand what's behind them and make sense of them. So whether it's putting that mood meter visual in front of kids or a simple less organized vocab list, you know, just bullet points on a paper or just open discussion without any reference material, right? Just a great way to weave this in just prompting students to reflect on those complex multiple emotions. Um, another benchmark is understand that identities and heritage practices shape the way one views, understands, and interprets emotions. So one activity to do here um, when discussing characters in literature or historical figures or leaders, um, ask students um, in pair shares, small groups, or even individual responses to journal prompts just to reflect on how that character or the figure's identity or heritage might have shaped their views and how they interpret their emotions and then have them compare that to how is it different from that student from their experiences. And this is similar to the one I just reviewed up above, but I think it's a little bit different because as we've you know gone through history and as we've gone through time, like we experience things different and we come from different places. And I think it gives a little bit more reflection on um, how society has evolved and how different times have different experiences and just making sure the students are able to connect to those and really reflect. Yeah, and I think this is a, a great example of how uh, equity and diversity are hand in hand with SEL and very much part of it, um, building that understanding through kids' self-awareness of, of their diversity and what makes them unique and appreciating differences between people. Um, Absolutely. Um, and our last benchmark that we're going to go through um, is analyze how personal qualities help to contribute to community and family based on identified interests and strengths. And this one's super simple activity um, that you can do just encouraging students to sign up for school activities. I noticed when I was working in the high school that I had a lot of students that just had kind of obscure interests and they weren't aware that there was other kids that had similar interests to them. And one example specifically I think of is we had a Japanese club and I had a couple of girls that were very into anime and very into just the Japanese culture in general. And they had no idea that this club existed. So just by like knowing a little bit about them and knowing a little bit about what was going on in the school, I was able to encourage them to join it. And it just made their high school experience, hopefully, I mean, I guess I don't know for sure, but hopefully a little more enjoyable. And they were able to like, you know, build that community within the school. And I think having people 
and like knowing people with similar interests just makes the social emotional skills you have more strong. And I think this, uh, as we go into the other competency areas, not just self-awareness, uh, joining activities, doing community projects and such is going to come up repeatedly. And this reminds me of that part of the office episode we talked about in a previous podcast where they're doing a workplace wellness day and someone's presenting and they're saying like, yeah, you should get up from your desk and get your eyes off the screen for about five minutes every hour and get up for your circulation and walk around five minutes every hour. And Michael Scott is like, well, that, you know, five minutes here, five minutes there, that really adds up. That's like half an hour every hour. And they're like, <laughs> take them at the same time. I always think about that because it's just like some of these things we can do a lot of things by just doing one thing, right? So right. like by prompting students to join uh, school activities, it, it helps self-awareness, but also other areas like relationship building, for right. example. Yes, yeah, so, um, so let's talk takeaways. We covered and focused on self-awareness, which is one of the five standards competency areas this week. And again, we're gonna move forward and into the other four. Um, but self-awareness means being able to recognize our emotions, our thoughts, our values, and how they influence our behavior. It means we're aware of our strengths and our limitations, and then learning to approach new things with a growth mindset. It's also about being aware of our rights and responsibilities. And learning those concepts doesn't just happen when we have scheduled time with an SEL curriculum. We can weave it into the whole school day. And depending on what grade level you teach, um, when you were listening to this, you might think if you're an ELA teacher or a social studies teacher in those departments that we're really picking on you. And, I, and if you're uh, teaching math, for example, you might think, oh, I got off with some pretty light work this time because I know we focused on ELA and social studies quite a bit in our examples. But rest assured, as we hit the other competency areas, um, we're going to bring in more content areas, especially with responsible decision making, for example. Um, there's a lot of overlap between things we learn in math class and how we make decisions. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Make sure to subscribe. And if you're on YouTube, click the bell so that you're notified when new episodes are released each week. We'll see you when you come back for another slice of SEL. Thanks guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye.